Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome up. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is David Steen, who's president and CEO of Cure Silver, who are a listed silver-focused mining company um, with their flagship uh, is their high-grade Bethania silver mine in Peru. Um, David has a geology, mine engineering, and finance background, um, and his his passion is building long-term investments in both people and resources um, and in sort of assets like Kula. And, and he's here today to tell us a little bit more about the company, um, its projects, and also the challenges uh, the investment um, industry is facing um, at the moment. Um, he's also going to be speaking at the upcoming Minds and Money event in London, which is at the end of November. Um, so obviously, to be, uh, be sure to reach out to him. Um, in person when you're there. Uh, information on tickets will be in the show notes accompanying this podcast. So uh, be sure to uh, to get some uh, to get a ticket and obviously reach out to David when you're there. So let's welcome David to the podcast. How are you doing, David? Doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rob. No, and I appreciate your time as well. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career, as I mentioned. Um, you've got a variety of uh, background in terms of engineering, geology, finance. Just wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about your career um, from when you graduated to where you are uh, presently today. Uh, yeah, well, okay, thank you. you. You did a good job in your in your preamble. Um, I, I do have kind of a hybrid, you know, uh, technical and financial background. Um, my uh, my university education was in engineering and and then a master's in geology. Uh, you know, always fo- sort of focused on exploration in the mining industry. And then um, when I did uh, get into the working world, I uh, I started in finance uh, pretty much right away. Uh, so I did, did my CFA while I was working at a broker dealer and uh, working my way up the ranks there. So, um, so, you know, that was, that was a really important kind of first decade or start to my career was, was working in uh, uh, as actually as an equities analyst in um uh for a, a bay street firm and uh you know that really helped shape you know how i look at companies today how i value them um and the strategy that we you know that we are um working on with kuya um you know when i uh when i was uh, when i started as an analyst or you know when uh, i started picking up companies uh, well, first of all, I should say I, I was almost exclusively precious metals. So even though later in my career, I have touched on some other commodities, lithium, iron ore, et cetera, I would say probably 80 plus percent of my career I spent on the precious or monetary metals, gold and silver. Uh, and, and quite, you know, quite a bit of that is on, is on, is on gold, of course, uh, it was way more companies. Um, so uh, while I was sort of building up my coverage list, I did pick up silver companies, and I was the first analyst back in two thousand four or five around there to pick up for, uh, First Majestic, uh, Fortuna, and both of those companies at the time only had one mine, you know, a high grade mine. In the case of Fortuna, it was in Peru. In the case of First Majestic, it was in Mexico, and 
you know, they, they have been able in the subsequent, you know, 15 years or so been able to build, uh, you know, very uh, successful, much larger companies um, on the back of organic growth through that starter operation, plus all the, you know, M&A that they've done since. And so when I, you know, when I, uh, when I found the, the opportunity uh, to acquire the Bethania mine, uh, that was really in my mind back then was, um, you know, it, it, had, it had the familiarity of these, you know, successful predecessors like First Majestic and Fortuna and others, even, even Pan American Silver, although it was before my time, going back to the mid-90s, they started their company the same way with the Caravilca mine in Peru. Uh, as as their first mine, and then built a you know a multi mine platform on top of that. So I think there's a great opportunity. There's not very many companies doing this, uh, and you know with with silver. Although I, I can't say I went out necessarily looking for a silver project at the time, uh, but with silver you sort of get the added bonus of of uh, much less competition. Uh, there are far fewer companies out there as compared to gold companies, which there's dozens and dozens of you know, junior gold and gold, small gold miners out there. Uh, with silver, there are very, very few companies out there. So you get sort of an added bonus of uh, when the market you know, does go into a, a bull market phase, which we're not in right now, uh, there'll be a lot of investors uh, basically funneling into very few companies and that will drive valuations up. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And that, that was certainly something that I identified back in the, in the beginning days of Kuya as well. Yeah. Um, just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about Kuya Silver. Um, and I suppose your vision, obviously you've just mentioned a handful of silver companies there. So I just wondered if, if that is your vision for, for the company to, I suppose, grow into multiple assets. Um, so yeah, just wanted to give the audience uh, an overview of the, the company and your vision. Sure. Well, I mean, we have a we have a, a a very advanced stage asset, so obviously that drives our strategy quite a bit. Um, we have a mine that was in production up until you know a few years ago. Um, when we when we first got involved, it was with a joint venture uh, with the former owners. We ended up buying them out later, uh, so we own one hundred percent of the Bethania mine in in Peru. Um, but it's it's uh, you know a, a very high grade silver polymetallic mine that's been in production recently. Uh, so it's somewhat known known quantity with respect to production, metallurgy, et cetera, et cetera. And therefore, you know, the opportunity here for us is to be a near-term producer, to basically put it back into production. Now, before we do that, we've been looking at ways to optimize the project, including um, we've we sort of scoped the idea of building a new mill at site. Um, and we put out a PEA on that recently. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, doing more exploration, making the project bigger. Uh, we've done some of that already as well. And we'll probably, or we will continue to do that, uh, you know, uh, as the years go by here, uh, it's going to be a much bigger project, but, you know, nevertheless, being a near-term producer is very u- unique. There's not very many companies in our position, um, that could, you know, I mean, if, you know, I, I guess if if we had a good market and we had the, all the money we needed, we literally could start production in four to six months. Now, not saying we're going to do that because uh, we're we're not in a good market right now. But um, but th- that's a, that's an opportunity you can't get from you know a drill program or you know a a, a, a greenfields type project. So that really is a big advantage for us that I'm very you know very excited about. And uh, but. You know that being said, we've we've also got all the upside of a exploration company. We can go out and make our project bigger, and you know, uh, 
you know, we, we know where to drill, you know, to, to extend the veins to a long strike and a depth. We've got a, a satellite project that we acquired, like, like a second mine, basically, uh, near, near Bethania that we need to drill and define resources at. So we've got so many low hanging fruit type opportunities in front of us, but really our, our, our strategy is to get into production with Bethania and then build it from there, either, either growing, uh, expanding Bethania again, or building a second mine somewhere else, or maybe doing both. Um, you took Kuya uh, public uh, two years ago. Um, what would you say uh, some of the highlights have been um, over the last two years for yourself and for the company? Highlights? Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting when you phrase the question because um, basically we took it public in October 2020 and the silver market peaked about four months later. Uh, in, at the end of January 2021 with the famous silver squeeze. So we had, uh, you know, some very good few months when we started and, and enjoyed, you know, enjoyed that, uh, I guess, for four months. And then it's been, you know, I mean, we didn't, we obviously didn't know in February 2020, or sorry, 2021, um, you know, almost a year and a half ago, that we would be uh, you know, that that was the top and we'd be going, you know, down for, for quite a long period of time. But that's in looking back now, that's what happened is we basically been, been building this company for the last two years. And almost in all of those two years has been in a bear market with, with a declining silver price and a declining share price. So that's obviously, those are factors to some degree out of our control. Nevertheless, I'm very, very proud of what we've done over the last couple of years as a public company. We were, we've been able to, really focus on doing you know what I would call tuck-in style acquisitions so acquisitions that that are very accretive very low cost you know either low dilution or or low cash uh, outflow for for us uh, but nevertheless build up our long-term story in a very very meaningful way so you know starting from uh, a few months after we went public we were able to buy the extra 20 percent to take us from 80 to 100 percent. Of Bethania. So that was the first deal we did. Uh, then we actually acquired the Silver Kings project in, in Northern Ontario, Canada. Uh, we haven't done a whole lot of exploration there, but that'll be our, at least for the time being, that's our, our second project in the pipeline. And it is a great project. It's just earlier stage than Bethania. So we've had to, or we've, we've wanted to focus on Bethania uh, since it's much more advanced, but ultimately, uh, there's a great opportunity there in Northern Ontario in the, in the Cobalt Camp, uh, which is a rich, rich silver mining district for the last hundred years. Um, and then we acquired the Carmelitas, uh, project or, or, and mine, which is a, a artisanal mine three kilometers away from Bethania. Uh, so that, and that came with 800 hectares of land around it. Uh, so we made that acquisition next. Then we, uh, we're able to acquire another 2,300 hectares in a in a, a property auction around Bethania. So in 2021, we added uh, 29, almost 3,000 hectares of land around the mine, which is really important for long-term growth because the, the mine property, although it's very, very rich and well-mineralized, it is uh, relatively small. It's one of those, you know, sort of historic postage stamp type uh, mining concessions. Uh, and we've been able to now consolidate all the land around it, uh, or most of it, such that we've got, you know, almost limitless places to look now, and we, and we know where to look next. So that's been very, very rewarding from a kind of a geological point of view. Um, 
And, uh, you know, then we, we put out our first ever resource on the project. Remember, this was a, a privately held mine. So no 43101 resources. We were able, but we, we, we knew, uh, with a, with a drill program, we could do that. And we did that, uh, in, in January of this year, we got our construction license for the mill, uh, another big milestone, uh, to get, that's a major permit to get in Peru. Uh, and then we got our, our uh, we made new discoveries as well at Bethania with some surface uh, sampling work, quite a lot of surface sampling work we did earlier in the year. And then we did the put the PEA out, which demonstrated really, really strong economics, low cost, low capex at the project, which again was exactly what we'd been telling the market, and and we we delivered that. So, um, so we've been we've been able to really you know, one, one after another, uh, hit all these various milestones. Some were expected, some were not expected, uh, but they're all important. And we've, you know, we, as I said, we've done it in a ever declining market. So when things turn around, uh, which, you know, which they, I'm sure they will soon, uh, we should get some leverage from those uh, deals that we've done. Yeah. Obviously it seems that you've got, uh, you've got a lot of things going on. Um, at the moment, as you've obviously just mentioned, but what are some of the biggest challenges um, you're facing right now? And I suppose price is one of them, but I've got another question I was going to ask you around the price of silver. But what are some of the major challenges that you're facing um, at the moment? Well, look, I, I would say the biggest challenge, there's always lots of little challenges in mining, as you know. Um, but I would say the biggest challenge right now is the capital markets. Um you know, it's uh, one thing about being in silver, uh, although to some degree you could say this about all metals, but silver especially, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And we're at one of those lows right now. Um, and one thing I can say that I've been very proud of over the last uh, you know year or so is we've been able to uh, we've been able to um, recruit or or. Um, uh, you know, kind of market our story to some new, very large family office investors who've been buying shares in the market. And so we've seen this sort of rotation from the more kind of speculative, uh, shorter term trader type guys who owned our stock when we did the RTO, uh, rotating into, uh, you know, longer term hands, uh, you know, uh, people who I think will be shareholders for years uh, for, for our company uh, who are more, you know, more sophisticated uh, so that's been good, but it's it's always a challenge uh, in in you know in the junior mining market. There's a lot of companies out there. Uh, you know, we all think we're special, but there's a lot of companies for them to choose. And I think the the mining speculator kind of market out there, the guys who who own these these junior companies like ours, uh, and God bless them because you know we. We, we, we wouldn't be here without them, but it's a le- relatively limited pool of investors. And they tend to, I think, spread out their bets a lot with owning, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 companies, but small little pieces in each. Uh, they, they tend to be more kind of shorter term driven um, and, and might, you know, jump around, et cetera. And, and so the challenge is the challenge in the industry right now, including with Kuya, is to is to recruit these sort of longer term buy and hold investors who can see the value that we have and are not really uh, like overly concerned about you know the silver price going up or down ten cents in a day and all the all the sort of the day to day stuff that we uh, worry about. Um, you know, in the long term, I don't think it's going to matter, but but it's very hard to convince people of that. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, and looking at obviously the silver price is relatively low to gold. Obviously, if you look at the gold silver ratio, um, what what would you say? When would you say you're going to start seeing an upward trend in the silver price? And uh, what are the catalysts behind the silver price sort of move, making that move up? In obviously, from your point of view. Well, let me start with the macro and then move into the micro because I think there's two sort of two answers to that. Um, the macro uh, is that you know gold, uh, silver, uh, to a greater or lesser degree, follows the gold price, and you know they're both monetary metals. Silver market's much smaller, so it tends to have a much higher beta. Um, and uh, but when you actually look back over the last forty plus years, really since gold's been you know freely traded. Uh, they they really move together um, for for the most part and and so I think what you need to see is you need to see a macro environment that's good for gold and therefore it will be good for silver as well. Um, what would we see? Well, obviously things like um, you know uh, a pivot in in terms of the interest rate policy right now, which has been really really aggressively raising rates for for the last you know six months or so. Uh, I think that would be very good. Weakening U.S. dollar, whether or not that has to do with interest rates or not, would be very good for the for the U.S. dollar gold price. Um, I know gold, you know, gold has is prices, you know, very high in other cur- currencies, but uh, but you know, the market in terms of the investors tend to just watch the U.S. dollar price and and take their cues from that. So I think that's very important as well. Um, so so that's sort of what I. Th- what I think of the macro environment, and I mean, given the the really we're we're seeing a rapid, at least you know, in the in the in the markets that I follow, we're seeing a rapid rapid um, uh, d- uh, disintegration of you know of uh, uh, of economic stability, um, and and uh, and so I I think it, it won't be long before this that event does happen, and then I think you know I think gold and silver are going to go up a lot higher now. Yeah. I said, I'm hoping so. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? I also don't want interest rates to keep going up either. That's kind of annoying. But um, so uh, so that's one thing. Now, that being said, there are some special things going on in the silver market that, you know, I, I'm hearing so much about now. I, I, I believe it's not just silver bugs, you know, uh, you know, you know, Silver bugs being silver bugs, I, I, I hear I'm hearing it more and more from credible sources uh, that uh, that there is a really significant shortage of physical silver. Um, you know, uh, most recently you saw um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, coin or um, you know uh, precious metals dealers in the U.S. offering a premium to spot to buy uh, silver uh, one ounce silver pieces. Uh, from from their uh, you know from from their uh, clients. So um, so you basically have uh, you have uh, dealers out there who are you know not only willing to sell you sell it to you at a premium because that's always the case, but they're willing to buy it at a premium and not just at a ten dollar premium to that. So so if you want to buy, go out and buy you know silver right now. Uh, the dealers buying it for twenty eight dollars or twenty nine dollars, you're going to pay thirty some dollars for for it, right? Um, and that's that's the situation we're we're in right now, um, which which does uh, it does indicate that you know the shortages 
seem to be getting tighter and tighter. Uh, I mean, I, like, I, that's that's crazy to me. Like that 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 it's even happening, and it is. So, uh, so this could be a case where something snaps in silver without the macro. I guess is what I'm saying. And we've seen it in palladium. We've seen it in nickel, right? Where some, you know, the 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 uh, the sort of the paper trading, the futures trading. Uh, does what it does and, and people are trading the, you know, the futures and basically, which is sort of like, you know, gambling on the price on what they think the price will be in the future. Right. But at some point that snaps and people have to buy real metal and then the price goes up. And, uh, I mean, uh, uh, and then, and then the real supply demand starts to, starts to shine through. And I think that could happen for silver. So that would be the one thing that I would keep an eye on. Um, so I think the macro is good, um, but the micro is even better for silver right now. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of things happening. And like you said, it's it's going to come a time when something snaps, um, which I don't think we're too far away. And that's when prices of, I suppose, gold and silver, which seem to follow, silver seems to follow gold, will accelerate. Um, I suppose it's just a matter of um, when, not if. So, uh, yeah, and and you know, again, silver is such a small market that those moves, when they do occur, can be really, really sharp in terms of in percentage terms. So, you know, I, I think uh, it's you know that that's one thing to to keep in the back of your mind. Like, I, I mean, I, you almost you almost have to own some silver exposure here, just because the upside is so huge compared to the downside. Yeah, certainly. Um, just going back to obviously um, the project and the, obviously Peru's reputation um, as a destination for mine investment um, took a hit last year. Um, and I understand obviously the presidential elections um, and there's obviously a new government. Um, what's your experience been in operating in, in Peru? Um, and again, some of the challenges that you've, that you've um, come across, obviously with, with a new government, um and i suppose stakeholders as well and and various communities how, how's that how's how how have all those challenges been over the last couple of years well we we have uh, not really noticed much of a difference to be honest between the current you know peru and peru of two or three years ago um, and we have, you know, Kuya, you know, we were private for three years before we, we, we were public. So we've been, we've been operating in Kuya now since 2017. So, um, uh, so it's, you know, five years and counting. And um, I, I have to say, though, that um, I think we have a bit of a competitive advantage there in the sense that we, you know, uh, a significant part of our senior team, including our, our COO and my co-founder, uh, is in, located in Peru themselves. So I think having, you know, having your senior team in the country in Peru, in our case, really mitigates a lot of the risk. Uh, and it allows you to basically deal with, you know, little issues that could become big problems a month or two later, we solve them when there's still little issues. And, you know, the problem with a lot of, you know, sort of Western junior mining companies is that they tend to oper operate more as puppeteers where all the all the you know the brains and decision making power is you know in Toronto, Vancouver, London, Denver, wherever, and you know what happened. What tends to happen is that when there is a problem, 
you know, they don't find out about it until it's too late or it becomes, you know, it's become a crisis. So I think our, our management structure really helps insulate us from, from any, uh, any, uh, any major risk. Um, and you know, that we've been able to kind of deliver on that. I mean, the fact that we were able to get our construction license, uh, with this current government in place is a big kudos to my local team, uh, you know, who, who are able to, you know, slog through that process, you know, Peru is a very administrative bureaucratic country and, you know, you, you really have to push and push to get, you know, to get things that you need from, uh, from government sometimes. And, um, we've been able to, we've been able to do that. Um, I think, uh, uh, that all that being said, um, Peru has been through, uh, a very, very tough few years. And I think regardless of who happened to be the president and, and the government and the, you know, the party in power, um, would be would have some you know significant challenges right now. They they were one of the worst hit by COVID in 2020, 2021, in terms of, you know, in terms of developing countries. Uh, and then, you know, much like everywhere else in the world, they're having big inflation problems right now, which obviously, you know, affects regular people with food prices, with fuel prices, et cetera. So, you know, with that in mind, I think, you know, it, it, there are there are certainly you know, risks that you have to be aware of and cognizant of. And it's probably not any different than being in Mexico or, you know, or, or most other, you know, uh, sort of uh, jurisdictions in that, in that, uh, in that sort of band of, of development. But, um, but it, you know, it's the, the, those are, those are challenges that we deal with um, with respect to our the community. Again, we're, we're lucky in a sense that, uh, or fortunate that um, uh, we just we've we've had we've had a single community to deal with um, that um, you know that has the surface rights over uh, over Bethania, and the previous owners had a good relationship with them. We've been able to sort of take over that relationship and manage it, and and so that such that we have a good relationship with them now. You know, this five years later, and we've been able to basically work with them as partners. And, you know, they helped us with our uh, environmental impact assessment EIA that we got in 2020 uh, in terms of getting the approvals we needed for that. It really needed local support and we got it. Um, we, you know, we have uh, agreements, long-term agreements to, uh, to use the surface uh, for the mill and the mine. Uh, so we, we and, and then whenever we do a, an exploration program, you know, we we hire people and we, you know, we're bringing economic development into the area. So it's been it's been a very good relationship um, and, you know, something we don't take for granted. We we have good people managing it all the time. And, um, that you know, that's that's uh, that's something that, you know, it varies from place to place within Peru. That's that's one, I guess, last thing I'll say about Peru is I think people tend to paint. And this goes for all developing countries. People tend to paint the whole country with the same brush. And Peru is actually a really, it's pretty, it's a large country. It's not like, it's not like Australia large, but it's very large. Um, it's got different sort of climate environments, uh, including the, the coastal desert where most of the people live. Uh, you've got a, a very high mountain range in the middle where most of the mining is. And then you've actually got jungle, which sort of borders with Brazil to the east. 
And depending on where you are in Peru, the issues are very different. You've got, you know, different people ethnically in the southern part bordering Bolivia with the northern part bordering Ecuador and then in the middle. So where we happen to be is in the, you know, in the in one of the main mining belts where where people are accustomed to mining. Um, and uh, and so even within within Peru itself, we're in we're in a very good area. And that's another thing that has helped us a lot in terms of just uh, uh, managing, um, you know, managing uh, uh, that those kinds of risks, uh, country risk, I guess. Um, we know obviously mining cyclical. Um, what do you think of Curia's upside in a, in a better market? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, when when we uh, when we took the company public, um, there were a couple of companies that I looked at that I I see as kind of our our peers to aspire to in terms of in terms of uh, they're they're similar companies, but they're a little bigger and a little further advanced than we are. Um, you know, in the silver space, I would say uh, Aya is a company that I I really uh, I think is very similar to Kuya in the sense that you know they they have a you know a high grade vein mine. Uh, now they they have had production for the last few years with the small mill that that they had. Um, so their production isn't like isn't really that big in terms of silver ounces, but I think it gives them more credibility. Um, because they, they, they are a producer and then, you know, that whatever they find in the mountain that's beside the mill there, uh, you know, has a, has a home and, and will be produced and will generate some profit one day. So, and they, you know, they've had very good exploration results. They've spent a lot on exploration and they've delivered. So I really, I think, you know, I think there's no reason why Bethania can't basically repeat that success. Um, you know, we've got a similar project, similar geology, um, and, you know, the opportunity to, to build a, a mill to start production very soon as well. And, and so, you know, and, and Aya, by the way, has, has been, um, has had a market cap fairly recently over a billion dollars. I think it's around 800 million Canadian today. So, you know, that's only 40 times what we're worth right now. Um, and I, I realize we'll, you know, we will likely take a little bit of dilution along the way, but even with dilution, the upside is massive. Um, the other company that I uh, am quite familiar with on the gold side uh, that I think is very similar to Kuya is K92, which, um, you know, they acquired a, a shutdown mine in Papua New Guinea, gold mine in this case. Uh, they were able to put it into production. Fortunately, they got into production before this crappy market uh, that we're in today. So they they were in production a few years ago, and you know again getting into production uh, high grade. So they don't have a lot of capex. They were able to allocate a lot of money to exploration and get good good exploration results. Uh, that's really to me the been you know. Uh, I mean, there's not there's not one single way to make money in the mining business, but you know, high grade mines having some small production to build credibility and cash flow um, with, with minimal capex is a, is a really nice spot to be in, and you know that's been a big that's been really the secret to the success I think of K92 and Aya, who are you know who are you know companies worth in the billions, and uh, I think we've got the same thing with Bethania. I've got two more questions. Um, I just wonder if you can uh, tell us a little bit about the management team uh, at Kuya, and also if our what why should our audience 
sort of follow you and invest in invest in the company. I just wonder if you can uh, give us some highlights as to um, the potential investment opportunities. Sure. Okay. Well, starting with the management team, um, I'm I'm very proud of the management team that we've built over the last couple of years. Um, and we've we've kept it um, very very uh, uh, you know s- small, um, and everybody's you know working really really hard. They're working all out to uh, you know to basically uh, get the company to the next level. So it's it's really uh, uh, it's really been amazing. Um, I co-founded the company with a with a, back in 2017 with a guy named uh, Christian Aramayo, who is our COO. Uh, he's Peruvian, lives in Peru, but he's worked all over the world. Uh, in his previous professional life before we started Kuya. Uh, engineering background, whereas I'm more of a ge- ge- geological background. So that's also a good combination to have. Um, and, you know, then we've we've picked up, uh, you know, a, a manage- management team sort of one by one in Canada. We've got our, our management team, CFO, VP Corp Dev, uh, general counsel, et cetera, you know, because we do a lot of deals. So having in-house counsel is really, really good to have. Um, and, uh, you know, corporate secretary, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got our, our sort of team to run the, the, the public company side in, in Canada. That's really, really strong. Uh, and then we've got, a you know, a really good local team in Peru that's headed up by Christian. Um, and lastly, just wonder what the outlook is for the next sort of six to 12 months. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you did ask before about what, you know, why people, should follow me or whatever. And I didn't answer that. Yeah, no, yeah, certainly. I I suppose (laughs) I can wrap those, I can wrap those up together, I guess. Yeah. Um, But uh, look, I I mean, uh, you know, when just to be, just to have a bit of a, you know, (laughs) an honest, well, I'm always honest, but, but uh, uh, you know, to take a bit of a different view here than I think than most mining, you know, sort of promoters, um, you know, when the market's hot, you got to promise the next set of drill holes, the next whatever, whatever for the market to to you know to to follow your story and buy your story. I mean, today where the where the market's at and where Kuya's at, you know, it really sells itself. Like you know, we 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 have we built a, a really really impressive asset package of of high grade, low risk quality silver assets that are going to grow in size, both in terms of production and in you know, resource size through exploration. Um, and, you know, basically the valuation is next to nothing right now. So, uh, so I, I mean, I think today it's more, it's more of a value investment than let's say, a, you know, a, a momentum type investment where you're looking for the next exploration results or, or what have you. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's uh, frankly, you make way more money that way by buying, low and buying when when things are out of favor then uh you know then trying to trade on exploration results or or whatever um so i i think it's a very very compelling story right now um you know i've been buying shares recently myself and um you know in terms of the next 6 to 12 months well i think the major thing i mean we do have we do have some other uh uh you know opportunities we're working on to consolidate more assets on our on our on our two main properties uh but beyond that that you know those things is always hard to predict beyond that i would say watch us for you know sort of development news relating to getting bethania back into production we're looking at 
more of a staged approach now, which will reduce the capex up front, but still get us into production sooner, um, as opposed to going out and building the mill today, which although the capex is low <laughs> uh, in the current market, it's still it's still quite a daunting amount. Uh, you know, sort of on the order of 20 million US uh, for for that whole project. So we think we can do it uh, faster and cheaper than that by doing a staged approach. Uh, and then we can always, you know, build the bigger project later when the markets are better. Uh, so I think, you know, we've been we've been already sort of guiding the market towards that. And and I would say that'll be uh, something that we'll put out more news on as we have, you know, as we have more to say on that. Yeah. <clears throat> David, really appreciate your time. It's a great story. Um, certainly, um, the project, once, once obviously market conditions are better, which no doubt they will be very soon, certainly a project um, that you can obviously get your teeth stuck into and it, it looks a lot of, there looks a lot of positivity around everything that you're doing and obviously wish you well going into 2023. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? Are you across any sort of social media platforms? We're on almost all the social media platforms. Um, uh, you know, the easiest way to start is our website, kuyasilver.com, K-U-Y-A silver.com. And then that will have the links to, uh, we have Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. So if some if you prefer, if you prefer to follow us on one of those places, we are we are on them um, as well. Uh, but the web plate, the website's a good place to start because then from there you can go anywhere else you want. Yeah, certainly. And they they will be included in the show notes accompanying this uh, podcast as well. So um, obviously feel free to reach out to David if you've got any questions. Um, and also, obviously, you're going to be at the Minds and Money event in London in November. So, um, again, get your tickets. And obviously, if you've got any questions you can ask David, you can obviously ask him in person at the event. So, wish you well for uh, the rest of the year and going into 2023. Perhaps you can come on uh, sometime next year with um, uh, to give us an update. And obviously, the market should be better then. Um, so, you can come and give us an, uh, an update uh, during next year sometime i look forward to that thank you very much yeah no worries um appreciate you for listening um great obviously silver is a uh, is a precious metal that um i think is very undervalued um and certainly needed for our future um and obviously uh kuya is a company to follow so um if you've got any questions obviously feel free to reach out to david hope you enjoyed this episode Appreciate your continued support. Please share this episode uh, amongst others um, around the world. And um, yeah, appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.